Welcome to Livestream Stars. I'm Ross Brand. Livestream Stars is the show where we feature talented broadcasters delivering high-quality content across livestream platforms. And Livestream Stars is brought to you by LivestreamUniverse.com, where you can find all of our schedules, past shows, and features. We also have daily updates with show recommendations on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LivestreamUniverse. And we have a new show starting Friday at 3 p.m. Jen Nelson from Wine Antics and I will be hosting a show all about the creative process of live streaming. And that will be on Twitch, trying out a new network Friday at 3 p.m. And Jen will have all the details when she announces it Wednesday during the Let's Live Stream Twitter chat, which also happens to be a Twitter chat about Twitch on Wednesday. So looking forward to talking about what we're working on and how we look at different shows that are out there and what elements could work well for you and what technology could work well for you. Just the whole sort of process as it unfolds, as we grow as, as broadcasters should be a, a, an interesting show, I hope. And I uh, hope you tune in to Twitch at 3 p.m. on Friday. Joining me now tonight, is Coach Jenny, the audacity coach, known for giving her clients a cathartic shove that gets them unstuck and on their way to achieving greatness. I know that isn't the exact language. You have your, your own language, and I'm good. just kind of going <laughs> with it here, but I, I've learned enough of it that I think I'm hitting some of the words. Uh, Jenny recently released her new book, Hilda, Tackle Your Inner Naysayer, Get Out of Your Own Way, and Unleash Your Badassery. Yeah, that's what I should have said before. After you get them unstuck, you help them unleash their badassery. There you go. Beautiful. You nailed it. <laughs> Hilda's an actionable self-help book all about that irksome inner naysayer, that little voice in your head that kind of tells you not you can't do something you want to do or stops you when you're trying to do something that you do want to do. Um, and it's also that self-sabotage uh, function that we all have. So we'll be getting into that. Jenny also launched a new live stream show today, The Hilda Sessions, about what else? Hilda, and it's on Facebook Live, airing weekdays at 12 noon, and includes a cathartic shove and interactive coaching. And she also runs the popular Facebook group, the audacity lab as well. And oh yeah, you see clients and have a coaching business and all that, which is really what you do yes. when you're not live streaming <laughs> and writing books and things like that. So I'm exhausted just listening to you. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much. And I'm you're really the first person that's uh, you're a first two time guest on live stream stars. So, Ooh, welcome see, back. Star. <laughs> so tell us who is this Hilda exactly? Hilda. So I'm going to hold up the, the book, not to be weird. This is my image of Hilda. She's that nasty, like you said, she's an irksome inner naysayer. She's that nasty voice in your head. I've called her Hilda because it was a silly name. Apologies to people named Hilda. Um, and I needed to humanize this voice. You know, we've heard about this idea before. It's not groundbreaking. We've heard about the inner critic, the gremlin, your lizard brain, your inner saboteur. That's one of my favorites. Your inner saboteur, which sounds like it belongs on a resume line. Um, sounds like something they serve in a French restaurant. <laughs> I would have the inner saboteur for two, please. Yes, it's, it's just, it's so highfalutin. And the way that um, the self-help industry has kind of 
dealt with this concept of self-sabotage and those inner voices is to add a lot of credence to it. I wanted to add a lot of ridiculousness to it. I wanted to name her a cartoon character who lives in my brain who looks like that girl I hated in high school. And so that is what Hilda is in a nutshell. <laughs> See, now I have a weird time saying my inner Hilda. I feel like my inner guy should should be a should be male. Like yes, that, it, it feels it feels sort of sort of sexist that to have like yeah. a woman to put a woman inside and blame her for what's going hey, on look, in my head. Here's how here's how it goes down. And yes, I actually ran these numbers. Don't don't make fun. I am a little nerdy <laughs> and I needed to know the real numbers. About 50% of the people in my coaching practice who I've introduced to the concept of Hilda, male and female, have stuck with the name Hilda. And the other 50% have named her something else. And 14% of the people that I've worked with were, are male. Um, I'm such a dork. And um, at the point of publishing this book anyway, 14% right. were male. And um, some of them have come up with interesting names. So apparently alliteration is loved. But the three names that are most popular for men are Herman. Heinrich and Mr. Picklebottom, which is one of my personal favorites. But you get to name them whatever you want, as long as it's not your father-in-law. So I'm guessing you never actually had a Hilda as a coaching client. No, not yet. I've actually not met a Hilda in my life yet. I've met Hildes, um, but that's as close as I've gotten. Um, as soon as I meet a Hilda, I'm going to let her know that she can write. I'll rewrite and republish the book with the name Jenny on it for her um, so that I can feel better and send her a personalized <laughs> Jenny copy. So we're even. <laughs> so talk about what's really interesting to me is that we kind of watched this whole process come together on live streaming. You started talking about wanting to write a book. Then you talked about how you were going to use your shows on that other platform that we no longer discuss um, to research and to test ideas and to really start writing the book. And then kind of we, we've recently seen you using Facebook Live and, and, and Crowdcast previously. Now, Blue Jeans Network as well, um, all the way really from from the research and writing through promoting and now discussing and engaging your community around around the topic with a finished product versus the product that was developing. So talk a little bit about first getting started using live streaming to, you know, conceive the idea and shape it and, and do some research. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thank you for noticing that because it absolutely has been the most transparent project I've ever had in my life. Um, <clears throat> I have been obsessed with live streaming since before that was really a phrase. I don't know if you guys remember this one, but I was on vocal, V-O-K-L-E, <laughs> when that became a thing, <laughs> which was my way of trying to integrate video with my Twitter chat. So I've always been trying to figure out ways to make social media a social experience for the people that I work with. Live streaming just took it to another place. And that Voldemort uh, platform that we dare not speak its name um, was just perfectly timed with the beginning of writing this book. Um, I got on the platform in August and I started working on and developing the idea for the book and committing to writing the book on this particular idea that same month. Um, and then by November and December, I was doing um, very strategic research on testing the ideas and adding layers to the ideas that ended up in the book. Um, so what I did was <clears throat> I would host these events with the hashtag of Hilda in them. And I would be really, really clear that if you showed up to one of these 
events on Blab that I was going to be talking about a particular piece of Hilda. I was going to be asking a bunch of questions that are none of my business. It was going to be a non-linear conversation, no presentation by me, straight up focus group of anybody who wanted to come in. I was, of course, inviting the folks that were in my existing coaching um, community, my, my, my Audacity Lab, which you talked about earlier. But what was interesting is how many people who didn't know from me from Adam were showing up and willing to talk about their inner naysayer because it was so fascinating that this author was crazy enough to open herself up to anything and everything. And it was just incredible. So you're right. I, I started in the research phase there as I would go back and layer on and transcribe those things and, and pick out the stories I wanted to tell. I would test the next level of it because originally I thought I was going to write a book that was a disorganized mess, I guess, of a bunch of Hildaisms, a bunch of those messages in Hilda that Hilda says right. I call those Hildaisms. After doing all this research, then suddenly the Hildaisms had categories and had structure and personality and poses and a vision. It took it from just another book to, I hope, my thought leadership platform for at least the next five, 10 years. Wow. So now when you're writing the book or, or, discovering what works and what doesn't work. What are a couple of things that you thought would be in the book that after testing it out, you said, okay, I'm, I'm going to scratch that. And what are a couple of things that maybe were ideas that completely came from audience members that you never even would have considered if you weren't? Oh, weren't really important question. I love that. Um, one of the things I thought the book was going to be, when I figured out that Hilda showed up in four different ways, I thought I would open the book like every organizational development nerd out there with a personality <laughs> profile. And we were going to come up with a personality profile for your Hilda. Just throw this out there. I still reserve the right to come back to that <laughs> idea. But it became too complicated because the truth is, Hilda likes to show up in different people's lives at different times. I had this hypothesis that everybody had a predominant Hilda. And when I tested that theory mm -hmm. on everybody using this action research-based idea with live streaming, I was learning more and more that some people do have that, but that's more rare than normal. Other people experience you know this particular hilda in this life compartment maybe they hear i shouldn't hilda in their love life but they always hear i want a hilda in their professional life right <laughs> and so that was kind of an interesting thing so i realized that the book had to have more flexibility in it than what i was doing which was take a quiz it's going to tell you what to read um, so that completely derailed what I thought was going to be this fantastic, sophisticated system. Um, it derailed that big mm -hmm. time and allowed uh, Hilda to be more flexible. Something that made it into the book that I didn't see coming is a story from a guy named Carlo Vergara. So I was doing these Hilda <laughs> interviews with anybody who would come. <laughs> and there was this gentleman named Carlo who had come in and just listened. He hadn't said one word except for hi in the chat. Um, and he had come to two or three of them, and I had seen him and acknowledged him, but I didn't know anything about him. He lives in the Philippines, and he reached out to me and he said, you know, I'd love to come and tell my Hilda story for your book research. I said, sure, absolutely. We set a date. We set the topic. Mm -hmm. He came on and he gave a 45-minute interview where he basically told his story uh -huh. of how when he wrote a graphic novel of a transgendered a superhero in the Philippines 
as just a fun thing to do. It turned into a world, like a national sensation and a musical production that is still a musical production now. And he's talked about his Hilda. I never would have had that kind of story. And so those are the kinds of things I didn't see coming from the live streaming community. People really stepping up and saying, I wanna share something really interesting with you. I have a story to share. And I was really proud to capture that story for him. Now, did you do your, your Hilda shows off the record um, or did you record I them? I did them on the record. I recorded them. I have taken them down from like YouTube and stuff like that. So they're not um, for public consumption as a piece of entertainment because again, it was research, not a produced right. show um, because I, I, had, I would say, okay, I have enough on that. Now I'm going to talk about something completely different. I need three new people. You know, it was not, it was very clunky. It was very clunky. Well, what's interesting, though, is that people shared with you, even though you were recording it and for a time did keep it public and repurpose it, right? incredibly clear, like ridiculously clear that if the hashtag Hilda was on this, that they were sharing information for my book research, that their stories, they were giving me permission. Of course, I backed that up with asking for permission again for the stuff that got into the Did you use cut. real names? In, I in do. The book? Every story is a name? real story. Every single story is a real story. And it's about a real person and you name that person. Yes. Now, there are wow. some stories where I don't name the person, where I speak in mm -hmm. a more generalized way, um, where I'll speak to, have you ever been in this situation? Um, and that's because those particular clients did not want to be named. And I'm perfectly fine with that. And then I took some right. creative license there and I would put together a few different client stories to create one particular scenario since it was written in the second person. But anything written in first person or in third person is absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> and it's interesting that you start off the book with your own Hilda writing the intro or prelude or whatever. And, you know, it's so funny hearing in her, I tried my best to stop her. I, <laughs> I distracted her. Yeah. I gave her shiny new toys to play with. <laughs> How did that idea come to you to, to actually have your inner naysayer write the, the introductory portion of the it book. Was, it truly was a live streaming kind of moment. Um, if you come to my live streams that are more produced and on purpose, you'll hear me making fun of Hilda's voice. I do it all the time. I'll be like, who do you think you are? You know better than that, blah, blah, blah. And I'll make like these goofy voices. And in one of those moments, um, I was trying to explain Hilda. And I said, you know, believe me, Hilda is doing everything she can to keep Jenny from writing this book. You know, and I did one of those things and somebody commented, they're like, yeah, that has to be in the book. And an idea was born. It had to happen. So Hilda wrote the preface of the book. And if you get to the end of the book, you'll find that I respond to Hilda at the end in the epilogue. Wow. So what are some of the common areas that you'd say, if you look across all of your Maybe you even have a stat for this. <laughs> if you look at all your clients, what are some of the common ways that, that Hilda impacts them or tries to stand in their way from unleashing their badass? Yeah, there's, well, I mean, and this just gets into the core, the four core content pieces of the book. I mean, the first one is that Hilda tries to convince you that you can't. There's something special about you that makes you incapable. And if she can fill you with that self-doubt and, and kind of beat you from the inside out, that's how she'll sabotage you. 
Another way that's really popular in um, entrepreneurial circles is the I shouldn't belief. And this is where she's trying to convince you from the outside in. She's got you obsessed and worried and freaking out about appearances and keeping up with the Joneses or keeping up with the Forleos, whatever it is, right? And she's the one that gets you all all obsessed with how you're going to look, what people are gonna think, your reputation. So those two ways are really popular where she's attacking yourself, like who you are, how you show up in the world, either from the inside or from the outside. The other part is more, she can't always just attack you. Sometimes she just attacks your dreams. And she does that in two different ways. One is that I don't know. She attacks your dreams by convincing you that you don't know and convincing you to second guess yourself, never cross a starting line, ask what if, but what if, but what if, but what if, and get you in that cycle of fear so that you never start anything that you really want to do. Or and this is incredibly popular in my coaching, um, there's the I don't wanna BS belief that she tries to convince you of, and this is where she gets you to procrastinate. She shows you shiny objects. My favorite shiny objects might be uh, the Game of Thrones marathons, just saying, and she's always distracting you. This one is really mean because that Hilda, you can't see coming because it doesn't sound mean, right? It's like, oh, Ross, you worked so hard today. You know you want to go out for ice cream. It's okay. You know, so she she can be really, really devious. No, my my inner Hilda, whatever you want to call him or her, uh, says, "Wow, you you got some good exercise today. Reward yourself with a really big meal." Yeah, Over my Hilda, that trickle, my trickle decker. It's not good. It's not good. You worked hard today. You deserve it. Right. Exactly. I will sabotage you uh, with sweetness and candy. Right. So when is Hilda right? Is Hilda ever right? Are there times? Because I can think of a time where I did something that, damn, I wish I had a Hilda speaking up and like slapping me around before I did that. Right. So when, when is Hilda right? And how do we distinguish between you know, a prem- I don't know if it's a premonition or a gut instinct or, uh, I don't know, emotional yeah, instinct that something is it really isn't right. And somebody just saying you're not good enough. You can't do it. You're silly to do it. You don't want to do it. <laughs> it's a fair question because sometimes Hilda's right. And sometimes she's right because circumstances prove her right. More often than not, she is right because we prove her right. We we let her drive and we follow her lead and then we prove her right. So let me explain the difference, you know, and the other circumstances don't work out. You know, Hilda says, oh, you shouldn't be doing this live streaming thing. Nobody's going to show up to your show anyway. I mean, who do you think you are? We don't want to hear from you. Your <laughs> hair is very flat. Your hair is very frizzy. It's always about the hair for us. Whatever she's saying, right? Like she can get into your head and then you do a show and nobody shows up. So is Hilda right? Well, I think Hilda's right in that situation if you don't do the second show, if you don't keep showing up, if you don't decide to double down, right? So there's an example. But there's also been moments where I've, I'm with you. You know, I've done something. It was a mistake. Hilda's right if that's where it ends. And the next time you think about doing something in that in that way, you sabotage yourself before you allow your imagination to run away. Hilda doesn't get to do that if you decide, okay, that's a mistake. What can I learn from it? So is, is Hilda just right? Like 
by accident once in a while, like the default is no, 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 no. And occasionally no is the right answer. Or is there a way to distinguish where, you know, maybe it's not really Hilda, but it's something else speaking to you not to do something or. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, yes, Hilda is right sometimes by accident, kind of like my mother-in-law is right sometimes by accident. <laughs> Like once in a while, she's right. And you got to give her one, you know, it's the same right. kind of idea, right? It's the same exact idea. Sometimes it's like, okay, Hilda, you were right, but you didn't have to treat me so poorly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the way that Hilda goes about it. And the reason that the book is so silly and goofy is if it was your best friend trying to warn you not to do something that you really want to do, because there's a real deep, dark danger, then you would take it seriously. You would really listen to it. What we have to learn to do is figure out how we differentiate between Hilda's happy nonsense, which is all doom and gloom, you're gonna fail, the world's gonna come to an end, and your truth, right? And that's what you're talking about, Ross, because your truth knows if in your gut you're like, no, it's not Hilda, it's not just naysaying. There's something about this that feels off. There's something about this collaboration that's turning me off. There's something about um, taking on this client just for the money, but I don't really want, you know, that conflicted feeling, you know, whether or not that's your truth or that's Hilda with practice of learning what Hilda's saying to you. But it's a practice. It's not an art. It's not a, a science. It's not like something I have a, a pill that tastes like chocolate. Right, that's be right. like, yes, now you can discern. <laughs> Beauty asks Coach Jenny, where does the imposter syndrome fit in? Hilda's voice, how does she squeeze that terrible doubt in us? So I love that you bring that up. Imposter syndrome is so ubiquitous of an experience for us that it's actually the very first Hildaism in my book. So imposter syndrome fits in with the I can't BS belief, right? Despite right. all of the work that you've done, despite all of the accolades you have, despite how many people think you're great. Imposter syndrome is that feeling that at any moment they're going to find out you're a phony, you know. And the way Hilda fills your head with that is a variation of this phrase, who do you think you are? We've all heard that one, haven't we? Who do you think you are? And so there's so many variations of how she can show up in, in your head like that. Like uh, this They're going to find out. They're going to find out. You're going to make an ass of yourself. You need to, you need to calm down. You're getting too big for your britches. All of that stuff goes into and feeds that fear of being found out as an imposter. And the way that you combat that is to point out evidence to the contrary, right? To point out evidence to the contrary. We had a conversation in the lab just today about how important is it for you to have certain professional chops or certifications or credentials, certificates to put on the wall that say you are now deemed worthy of being this thing. Well, in the live streaming world, there's no such thing. Thing, right? You need a microphone and a decent Wi-Fi connection and poof, you're a live streaming person. Um, now to be a live streaming star, you have to show up, you have to be consistent, you have to work on your craft, you have to build your audience, you have to have a message that matters. But none of those things come with a credentialing system either. And so I've had that imposter syndrome beauty where I'm like, man, you know, who am I to get on this on live streaming all the flipping time and tell people what I think and here's my thoughts and whatever. Well, I'm somebody who has a few listeners and that's enough and that will grow from there. I hope that's helpful. Yeah. She mentions that she first heard of this from a coder just graduating 
uh, from USSC, uh, UCSC rather in, in computer science. So <laughs> mm -hmm. very interesting. Um, where, where do you think, um, people who are live streaming, right? We hear, we hear these things like, what if I do a show and nobody shows up? What if I say, what would I talk about? Nobody's going to be interested in me. You've probably heard them all. What is, what is, what is it with live streaming that seems to really get people's hildas <laughs> activated? <laughs> well, it's, it's quite interesting because I'll be honest with you. Live streaming took away a lot of hildas power on me. Professionally um, polished pre-recorded video. I become a bumbling idiot right? because then there's an expectation of perfection. There's an expectation of polish and I struggle with that so much to shoot a two minute solid video is 10 times harder for me mm -hmm. than a two hour live streaming right. <laughs> because it's live streaming and it's in person. And the thing that's really interesting is a lot of people are the reverse where they can do the polished one because they can practice, they can do as many takes as they want, they can edit, they can fix, they can tweak. And because they have all of that, those powers, it, it softens Hilda, it quiets Hilda, and so now they're able to do their thing. But they get on live and they're constantly worried and looking in the mirrored image of themselves and all that. So it, it, it's so interesting how different each person is. And you have to know how it shows up for you. Um, specifically when it comes to live streaming, the thing I hear the most is about the fear of not having an audience. Right. And one of the excuses I hear all the time is when people say, well, coach Jenny, I'm not like you. I don't have an audience. I get really clear about my first blabs. My very first blabs was me talking to my friend Shoshana Simpson. That was it. Several of them. Lots of them people where I'd be like, Shoshana, will you come listen to me? She's like, okay. And I'd be sitting there. Hi. Hi, Shoshana. I know you've heard from me before, but I just want to get comfortable here. You have to start somewhere. And then you slowly but surely drag your <laughs> audience and, and pull them in by making sure that you're saying something that really resonates. Right, right. I mean, it's just like with Twitter. I mean, you started and you had no tweets, you had no followers, and you started tweeting and nobody, you still had no followers. Nobody really saw it. And eventually somebody followed you and saw it. And, you know, a few weeks later, after 10, 20, 30 more tweets, you got to retweet. And then you really were, you know, and you realize you can engage. It's not that it's not that different. The other thing is, I mean, I don't know when I look at it, like the fact that people might not show up when you're starting out should be the least of your worries, right? Because you should take it as time to say, okay, I can get comfortable. I can try some things out. I don't have to commit myself to a, a topic or a, a theme or whatever right away. It's okay. There's five people here. There's three people here. It's just me and my guest. I'll repurpose the good parts. I'll get better. And then when the crowd does show up, and I think we're all in a way in that situation because at some point, at least we're betting on this, right? This is going to be a primary mode of interaction and conversation. And, you know, we'll be talking mm -hmm. to much larger audiences this way. So this is a great time to get started and, and try going on these platforms now, because even the most popular, most popular shows aren't getting off the charts audiences. I mean, you could, you yeah. could go with a bullhorn to a city street corner and reach more people. Let's just be honest about well, it. Right. Funny. I mean, <laughs> it's so funny because when you're getting started in live streaming, your Hilda is obsessed with making sure you have a audience. Right. 
somebody to listen to you. But then I'll, I'll counter this. You know, Hilda was really loud in my head last week when I had this amazing discovery. This is going to sound really silly to all of you out there, but few live streamers are willing to show their warts. I am not one of those. I'm willing. So I have been working my tail off building an audience on Crowdcast. I love Crowdcast. I think it's sexy and sleek and polished and professional and it works almost every time. I love it. The problem with Crowdcast is it's not Facebook. Right. It's not Facebook. Can't compete with Facebook. Who can compete with it? I mean, Google's struggling to compete with Facebook people, right? Like, so of course it can't compete with Facebook. When I was working my tail off to get a good 12, 15 person audience over to Crowdcast to stick around for the whole hour, it was really exhausting. It was wonderful. It was fun, but it was safe. So then I decided I'm going to embrace Facebook Live using the Blue Jeans platform, which allows me to have multiple people in the seat and live streaming to Facebook. I did my very first one, and within 24 hours, I had 301 mm -hmm. views. Now, that never happens on Crowdcast. And suddenly there's Hilda again going, oh, maybe you should go back over to Crowdcast because there's less people and you'll embarrass yourself less because now that you have this big audience, and there she comes again. She's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of gal, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Kind of voice in your head. And so that also happens for live streamers well, as well. As you level up, as you get that audience that you've been craving, here comes. Right. And I think there's a lot of things that can activate Hilda going to Facebook Live because, I mean, here on a platform like this, right, we're basically talking with a bunch of other people who are passionate about live streaming. It's a very supportive community. You go to Facebook Live. Now you're talking to friends and family who didn't even know you did this or, you know, people from back in the day who were critical or whatever. <laughs> it's like it, it's like, oh, do I want to put myself out there in front of those people versus, you know, the comfort of the community and the parameters that you can sort of hide yourself within, right? <laughs> it's so true. I mean, <laughs> I've had the experience. I think every live streamer out there has had the experience where you're live streaming, you're feeling good, you're watching who's in the chat, you're talking amongst friends because you're right. The live stream community is so incredibly supportive of each other. I really feel like we're part of like an incubator of right. something that's going to be massive, right? So it's so wonderful to be a part of this community and you're doing your thing and you're polished and you're feeling good. And then your cousin who you haven't seen since 94 shows up. Right. And says your name wrong. <laughs> and you're like, Oh my God. And suddenly I'm like, uh, hi Gary. Uh, what was I saying? Anybody know what I was saying? It's so interesting how that can rattle you. And, um, the other thing I've seen rattle people is when a big name, which, Oh, but a big name shows up, right? Like so, somebody showed up who's a big name and that big name person, I am now, all, oh my gosh, look at me. I'm just, that person came to my live stream and now I've got all these butterflies. The thing is that's totally <laughs> taking you for a ride in a desperate attempt to sabotage you. That's all it is. So cousin Gary or Gary V can show up to my events and I'm, I'm going to be the same. <laughs> Wait, Gary, we're not taking questions yet. We'll exactly. get to you in we're not, just we'll a get to you moment. <laughs> that's funny. So talk about your new show and what you're doing with that. I think that's that's kind of exciting that you have a new show around the book and you're now on Facebook Live using the Blue Jeans Network. It's a big change from Crowdcast. It's a massive change. And it's one that I am doing a little kicking and screaming because again, I love Crowdcast. I love the intimacy of that. But 
Crowdcast and Blab and the intimacy of those kinds of platforms did exactly what they were supposed to, which was to help me fill my coaching practice. And so those platforms gave me the opportunity to demonstrate and showcase my coaching skills. Now that the book is out, which I've just spent all this time on, my goals are a little bit different. My coaching practice booked solid. I'm not actively looking for more coaching clients. What I'm looking for is speaking opportunities and more readers for the book. Therefore, I need a different strategy. And that's really hard because once in a while you're like, okay, I've gotten used to this. I've gotten good at this and I've gotten right. known for this. And now I'm going to switch things up. So what I'm doing is a two-part show. This is kind of oddly complicated and it's totally an experiment. So I reserve the right to change my mind. But what I'm doing now is this two-part process called the Hilda Sessions. And using blue jeans, which this is what I think is the coolest part of this tool, I can stream up to nine people at a time into Facebook Live, be it on my page, on my timeline, or in a Facebook group. So my show will start with just me presenting on my Facebook page and introducing a particular Hildaism or going a deep dive into a particular topic within my book. Then I will pause that broadcast. Actually, I guess it stops that broadcast and start a new one without actually moving from blue jeans. Pardon me, over in my Facebook community. So my free Facebook group, everybody that's there, they will be invited to actually hop into the seats with me. And there we can do some coaching and deep diving into it. So it gives me the opportunity to both do more speaking and uh, get better at professional speaking, get better at selling the book, but also keep doing the thing that I love most, which is coaching. That's great. And when you talk about doing speaking, are you open to like speaking anywhere or you want to speak locally or is there like what what is your vision for 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 doing speaking? Really good question. So I want to spend about 25 percent of my time doing professional speaking um, and being specific about the professional speaking part, because that means paid speaking. Um, and I'm eager to to travel. I'm absolutely eager to travel. Um, I'm in the Los Angeles area. So I have one rate for anything that I can drive to, which is a huge swath of the earth over here in Los Angeles to Vegas to San Diego, even up to San Francisco. But anything that that requires a flight, I have another uh, speaking rate. So I'm really excited about that. And the purpose of the professional speaking is because I make Hilda a household name and right. turn this into a movement. And there's no better way to do that than to have some time to talk and introduce everybody to her. That's fantastic. So uh, just put a link to the book. The book is called Hilda. We're talking with Coach Jenny. If anybody wants to jump in and ask a question, um, feel free to. We got some new people just showed up. Uh, you're welcome to hop in. Uh, so now as the live streaming thing moves forward, right? What's the next sort of the next barrier you want to you want to surpass or the next the next thing on your agenda to do with live streaming? That's that's a complicated question because I want to get better and better and better at utilizing these tools without ever going geek. <laughs> and so it's kind of a it's kind of a quirky little thing. You know, as one of the live streaming stars out there, and I, I own that own that term now, thanks to you, Ross. Um <laughs> I love live streaming. I don't love learning about how live streaming works. I could care less. I still do not understand what WebRTC is because my brain glosses over every time somebody tries to explain it to me. I don't care. 
<laughs> I want to get really good at figuring out how to be the best possible messenger of my message mm -hmm. on these platforms. So that's extraordinarily important to me. The other thing is I want to help get more people comfortable consuming live streaming. I mean, one of the reasons that live streaming is still kind of small and weird is because people don't know what to do with it. But once upon a time, you didn't go to YouTube to figure out how to change the oil in your car, right? right. That wasn't a thing. <laughs> now it's a thing. I don't know about you, but anytime I have to do something that I've never done before, the first thing I do is check YouTube. Right. It's kind of wonderful. And we've kind of trained our brains that YouTube is now this fountain of information where we could go in and search. Isn't it the number two search engine? Yeah. Right behind the Google. World, right? Because, right behind Google. And so owned by Google. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of impressive when you think about it. Well, live streaming is the same kind of thing because live streaming is a way of watching interactive television with people you get to know. And conversations you get to join. And that's a completely new way of learning information, of meeting people, of connecting um, that we're not quite used to. Uh, we've had, of course, Skype and different things where you could communicate with each other using video, but it's different with all of these shows and these broadcasts and these events that people are putting on now. And um, it's not that new, but I feel like it's catching fire this year. I really think that last year and this year have been a tipping point. And that, that tipping point, I'm really excited to be part of it, being tuned in and smart enough to make sure <laughs> I don't miss the boat. So now, with all you've been doing, you probably don't have a ton of time to watch a lot of live stream shows. But what do you think if um, you gave some thought to, you've probably given some thought to it, like what is the live stream community missing right now? Like what kind of shows do you think we need you'd like to see what 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 do you think uh, would add to, to live streaming to make it you know more more well-rounded sort of genre group of programming i'm not exactly expressing it right but you get the idea where where i'm I going do. i mean it started I out it was all like marketers and solopreneurs kind of selling what they do and we've diversified some um you know, there's different people here. Um, Durham Skywriter, Pat is here. She focuses on, she uses live streaming, but focuses very heavily on her local Durham, North Carolina market. Um, Nick Rishwain's here. He focuses on the legal tech industry. Um, you know, I could just go down the list. Jen bringing live streaming to the wine industry what do you think is is sort of next for live streaming or what would you like to see where would you like to see things go yeah beauty with financial markets uh, you know so many people here now have have a niche that they they talk about well i would like to see us move in the same direction television kind of did um when we were all on blab and i know it wasn't all of us it was periscope and other things as well but for most of the people that i see in the names i'm recognizing we were all on blab right right so we were all basically on one channel sometimes we were on channel 0 0.2 and 0 0.3 because we were all streaming at the same time i know ross and i had a problem with that we kept <laughs> streaming at the same time um but for the most we were we're all in this one particular space, but there were those categories. Do you remember categories? People? Mm -hmm. Oh, categories. <laughs> That's how I would plan my day. I'd go and I'd click on, oh, what's 
happening in the coaching category? And I would go and meet a bunch of coaches. Oh, what's happening in the self-improvement category? Oh, I go go meet a bunch of self-improvement nerds. Um, I met a bunch of people who were doing sign language and because I don't get to use my sign language skills that often. There were so many ways that we could benefit, thank you, benefit from those different <laughs> categories. Where I see this going is we get more and more collaborative and understand each other. And we follow the, the lead of what you're doing with Livestream Universe, Ross, is we start developing channels, if mm -hmm. you will. I mean, I can see a whole CNN kind of lineup of professional uh, develop, personal development gurus like myself. Can't believe I just made myself a guru, but whatever. <laughs> um, gurus like myself, where we all were really streamlined. And you're starting to see a little bit of that within my community. For example, I went out of my way to select a time that's after Karen Graves' time, but before RJ Redden's time that wouldn't mess with the Tuesday time that Chris Lively uses. So right. on any given Tuesday, um, Pacific time, you can go to 8 a.m. with Karen, 9 a.m. with me, 10 o'clock with, with um, Chris and noon with RJ. That's right. an example, and right now on different channels, right? We're using different technologies. And that's become a schedule of live stream entertainment or edu edutainment that you can get mm -hmm. within my tiny little circle here. I can't wait to see that expand and grow and see other, other not channels, what platforms, really start taking advantage of that and creating that kind of TV guide for right. How important do you think production is to live streaming? And like when you talk about it sort of moving towards television on social platforms, um, do you like when people go the extra step and start adding certain production elements like switching shots and and adding text and, and lower third graphics and, and, and all those type of things? Or do you like more just like two people chatting and you know, kind of very informal look to it? Good, good question. I think it depends on what they're teaching, of mm -hmm. course. Um, I think right now live stream is kind of in the baseball, inside baseball or whatever they say. It's right. very like live streaming, talking about live streaming, which totally makes sense. So in those cases, you know, those production qualities really matter. I think that shit can, that stuff can get very distracting very fast. So once you got the, yeah, the cam twisting and the lower third stuff and the green screening and all that kind of stuff, I think it can be very distracting and take away from the message that you're delivering. I do like a lower third that says the name or I like it. For example, you can see Ross Brand's name. I don't know if you can see my name on here or not. I can see yours, but I can't see my own. Same thing. It's random. Okay. So I like that you can see that if you showed up late and you, you didn't hear the intro, you know who the heck I am. I like that, but I like that it's kind of without a whole lot of fluff and logos and colors and stuff like that, because that's not necessary. What I do think matters when it comes to production quality is a real, great Wi-Fi. We don't want Gilberting. The fact that Gilberting is actually in the Urban Dictionary makes me so happy. And yet, it makes me so sad because we don't want to have all those audio troubles and, and all those technical troubles. Those seem to be getting ironed out more and more by all these platforms as they come, you know, as the technology advances. Um, but as more and more platforms come up, there's more problems that can arise. And so I think that part's important. Um, Another note on quality is I think that your delivery and your 
aesthetic, how you look should match your brand personality. Um, there's a whole lot of people who have really strong opinions on what you should wear and look and do and act in order to be the thing, be a live streamer in general. But everybody has a different goal. So, you know, this is what you're going to see. RJ Redden will always be wearing that fabulous yoga Yoda hat. <laughs> I cannot pull off the Yoda hat. You know what I mean? You have to do you. Um, so I think that's really important. I, I do think when you go to platforms, and I'm not sure that this is necessary for you because you're doing more of a solo broadcast when you go to the Hilda page on Facebook Live, whether you're doing it from a desktop or you're doing it from a phone. I assume you're doing it from a phone in the beginning or not. Oh, no, you're doing it from Blue Jean Network. Okay. From Blue Jeans, which is on my desktop. Right, right, which is why it looks so good. Things coming from there. I, I can't wait to dig in and try that that network out a little bit but um not that we we still love fire talk of course uh <laughs> but where was i going i was going somewhere with this oh yeah 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 on facebook live when there's talk shows and stuff i do find having more graphics having more lower thirds and things can help because you're so distracted by everything going on on Facebook that it sort of catches your eye and even changing shots and things. It sort of keeps your attention on what's going on. It helps you identify quickly what's going on. You're probably going to go away and look at a message. You're going to go listen, but you're not. So I do think that when you start going to Facebook Live, it gets a little less interactive in some ways. Um, now, you're using a platform like Blue Jeans, so people can go on there and then they can talk to you there. They can call in, right? Um, but the people watching on Facebook Live, there's the chat, but it's not really a great chat. So the experience becomes a little more like watching on TV. Does, does that make sense? It does. It does. It depends. I mean, I will, I will admit that the chat feature and the chat uh, volume on my Facebook page is dramatically less than the chat volume I have in that private space of my, of my group. And I think the biggest difference there is your mother-in-law can't see what you post. I'm just going to say it right. Like <laughs> only the people, why am I on my mother-in-law tonight? Anyway, only the people <laughs> who are in that group can see what you're posting and can see that video. So there's uh, a piece of privacy. I mean, it's just you and your other 700 and some odd friends, right? <laughs> it's, it's, you have like a little bit more vulnerability that happens there. So I have noticed that we'll see a lot more people engaging there than I do on my timeline or on my Facebook page. But the other thing is, and I'm just going to be very real about this, it's Facebook. And those notifications are relentless. So if you're watching a video and you're listening in, suddenly you get four notifications. Right. You have to make a decision. Do you close the video and go see what those notifications are? Because those are really shiny objects. Or do you open a new window, new browser window? It's quite funny how these <laughs> decisions get made. And that's how we see um, how engaging we are. Uh, I don't know that I can compete with that notifications button. <laughs> yeah, when you go live on your... Um page you get a lot of analytics like you can see how long like what percentage of people watch to the end what percentage yeah. stayed or what numbers stayed 10 seconds or longer um but i i think um it would be nice for facebook to eventually enable you to be able to watch a video and check your notifications or watch a video 
and share the video because when I go to share a video, it like pauses the video while I'm typing what yeah. I want to type about, you know, go watch Coach Jenny or Hilda Page or whatever. And now all of a sudden I'm missing part of the show to share it. So I know that's they've my got a ways to go on some things. They basically. have to work on that because asking people to share is asking people to pause. Right. And um, that kind of sucks. And it's not quick. It's not like they click share button and then it goes. They click it and then they have to type something. They've decided where they're sharing and they can miss several minutes. And if your show is 10 minutes long, like mine is, that's problematic. Um, so we have to, we definitely have to figure that out. The other thing that I wanna be extreme, extremely conscientious of is to follow up with the comments. This is kind of a wonderful thing because on every other platform, when the show is over, show is over, right? right? Yeah, you can have a replay, but the chat is dead. Mm -hmm. On Facebook, that's not the case. And that's kind of amazing because people will go back and watch it and they can actually select to see the comments as they came up live, wow. look at the top comments, the ones that were liked most, or just see all of the comments chronologically. Either way, that interaction continues. And if you're a really smart live streamer, you're making sure that you're feeding that by going back through and hitting reply or messaging anybody. I know you get a lot of options over on your Facebook page more so than you do in the others. Um, and it really is a great way to build engagement. I know about me <laughs> that when I go to somebody's Facebook live and after the fact they respond to one of my questions that I posted in writing, I'm subscribing, making sure I never miss another one of their streams. Right, right, I really right. just feel like there's that that white glove service that comes with that. And I want to make sure I also am a role model for that. That's great. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. It's great to have you back on the show and tell everybody uh, I put link in the in the chat to your uh amazon page for the book um just tell everybody where they can go to connect with you and and to order the book for sure please head on over to hildathebook.com if you want to get a copy of the book it is available in paperback and in kindle version on amazon.com and if you want to learn more about me i know that he's given all kinds of show notes and he's been incredible it's really easy to find me um uh, because <laughs> ross has been posting about it it's quite lovely um, just search for Coach Jenny and make sure you spell it with the I-E, Coach Jenny, and you'll find me on everything. That's my name everywhere. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, it's It's been a lot of fun. And uh, tune in to see Coach Jenny tomorrow, noon Eastern, uh, 9 Pacific, on Hilda the Book Facebook page, right? That's the Facebook. Correct. So go to Facebook.com slash Hilda the Book. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, and have a great evening. Thank you.